This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is a special bonus TOEFOP. You're Charlie oh, I'm Charlie Clawson. Clawson. Sorry, I thought you were going to come with the gag. I'm Charlie Clawson. <laughs> I'm Will Anderson. Hello. Um, I, no, I was just laughing because you played us. Yeah, we played um, the intro. Since we got our awesome roadcaster. Roadcaster. And um, uh, I recommended the roadcaster to somebody the other day, my friend Kirk, who's uh, starting his own podcast. Oh, he's starting he a like, podcast. Cool. Yeah, I know. I was like, good, there's a gap in the market. He's yeah. a white guy, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll, there'll be a point of difference. No, he's, he's actually a really cool guy. He's a, a, his passion is coffee. I met him through a cafe in Melbourne where he was like, you know, in charge of coffee there, but he's one of those guys who travels the world sort of, you know, interested in coffee, but he's also a journalism student. And so he's, I think he's going to, you know, combine perhaps, you know, his interest into something. But he was asking me for some advice about what equipment. And I was telling him about my old school setup. But I was saying we've just got this new roadcaster. Again, not an ad for roadcaster, but I guess an ad for roadcaster. Because I said, if I was starting from scratch, the new system is so much better than the system that I've got at home. Yeah. I would go the roadcaster. And so then the other day, this guy who hasn't even started his podcast yet <laughs> has sent me a picture of all his stuff that he'd ordered and all his new equipment. He's like, look at my new rig. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. But I've done like a thousand podcasts <laughs> and now you have better podcasting equipment than I do. And you probably remember to press record too when he does it. Well, so this is what I was going to say. On our new system, the roadcaster, um, uh, roadcaster pro, in fact, uh, used by amateurs, but the roadcaster itself is professional. Um, you now play our intro music into the It doesn't the sound for professionals. Ants are probably going to fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> the roadcaster piss right off. <laughs> um, so uh, you play the intro music and we both um, pretended we were DJ scratching. Yeah, we've been listening to a lot of uh, uh, rhythm and flow. Mm. Or watching a lot of rhythm and flow. Exactly, so. DJ head. We both went a bit <laughs> DJ head. There, uh, Play that shit. <laughs> and we started scratching in our tunes. And then uh, I noticed, uh, and you thought I hadn't noticed, but I did notice that you were doing the gradual fade up of the microphones and you realised you were just doing one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, find, then you really quickly with your other finger tried to slowly catch, like just like the first one had missed the start and you just did a little quick, but then tried to fade it up at the exact same time as if you'd meant it to do it that way. And I was giggling just watching that. So you're just going to humiliate me. Going to humiliate me at the well, start of this bonus podcast. And then you forgot your name. And I forgot to say your name. So <laughs> yeah. everyone relax. So what you're saying is your mate from the coffee shop, already a better podcaster than me. <laughs> Absolutely. He hasn't got a podcast out and he's already surpassed both of us in the podcasting world. So the reason we came together is something we teased uh, a couple of weeks ago, which was we're going to talk Avengers. Now, I went and spent most of the weekend 
watching The Avengers, which is no easy task with a newborn in the house because those films are fucking long. I had to break it up over about three and a half days. I could watch like an hour at a time. The second one, I forgot how long it is. It's almost two films in one. It is not long enough, in my opinion. Right. I loved the fact that we were going to do this uh, episode because it gave me an excuse to sit down and watch a film that I have very recently just watched. And uh, I was like, no, 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 it's research for the podcast. So, mm. Look, I did nap through some of it, I must admit, but I, um, I got to watch it again. And initial thoughts, Charlie, because you came back to it after a little <clears> break from I think it. I saw them both twice at the cinema. Yep. And, yeah, so this is my first reviewing. And I was surprised by how much I remember because I'm at, I'm at an age now where I can see something and completely forget what happened in it. Uh, but this I actually remember quite a few scenes and I could follow the thread. So I did get a bit of a deeper reading of it. Um, my question to you, Will, yes. is just a pop quiz. If you had to pick one as being better than the other, which one would it be? Endgame. Yes, I agree. Endgame is almost a perfect movie in my opinion. The more that I watch it, the more it reveals its delights to me because every character gets a moment. Everything yeah. in it happens for a reason. Um, it's emotional. But th- to me you get more out of each of them when you view them together. Yes. Because one, you know, in one where certain characters don't get, you know, a a certain treatment, that gets delivered in the other one. Mm. And sometimes there's a flip of where a character is at in each of the movies and in one of them they're played a little straighter and the other one they get more of a chance for humour. So much like Thanos was trying to bring balance to the universe by destroying half of the universe. And Mm. look, Thanos had a point and I... Uh, That's the thing. He does have a point. Thanos has a pretty decent point. <laughs> There's a line in Endgame where uh, Captain America comes to visit Scar- uh, uh, Black Widow and he talks about how he was crossing the Hudson and he saw like five whales in there because of the lack of pollution. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should get rid of that. <laughs> I'd love to see like five whales in the uh, Hudson River. But this is unThanos like in that keeping all of it is better than viewing one or the other bit of it by itself yeah it is better to be viewed as infinity war and then end game and look at the two movies together and what they do I and think. i'd say end game is virtually if to the uninitiated would be virtually impossible to follow i think without seeing well i think infinity, infinity war, war was a bit like well yes i mean if you're jumping in just at end game mm. go fuck yourself <laughs> Some people do that, though. They'll listen to yeah. the, like, the latest album the band's released or whatever. That's what ruined Lost, though, was all the people who'd watched the pilot episode came back for the final episode and went, well, they were dead the whole time. This is a <laughs> dumb show. Everything you've done is dumb. Whereas if you'd watched every episode, you were like, no, this makes sense. This right. is a satisfying ending. Yeah. And I think it would be the same with Endgame in that I think what they do in Infinity War, which left me a little colder at the start to set up Endgame, now... Now I can go back to Infinity War knowing what happens at the end of Endgame and enjoy it so much because at their second to last episode of this franchise, they did not make it Captain America's movie. They did Mm. not make it Thor's movie. They did not make it Tony Stark's movie. They made it Thanos's movie. Mm. Like Infinity War is Thanos's movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, every major character in this franchise has got their own movie. Thanos got one at the second to last. And when you go back and view it like that, that they put the emotional work in to then let the payoff finish with an actual villain, not just a bunch of CGI people from space or like something that they had to shoot into the sky or, Mm. you know, they actually put the time in to go, no, 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 no. We're going to introduce you to this villain who has a decent motivation 
and that you're going to see two different versions of him because that's what you get to do mm. over it as well. They paint Thanos so well in Infinity War that by the time you see Thanos from a few years ago in Endgame, you can actually differentiate between the two characters and where they are in their journey. And I just think that, to me, is is one of the things that I now look back on Infinity War and go, I'm so glad they put in the time to go, no, 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 this is Thanos's movie and you're going to see it through the prism of Thanos. I mean, I think Endgame, I think, is a better film, but this Infinity War, I think I enjoy more from a story point of view. And I think it's particularly for that because they take the time to uh, put propose a point of view and then spend like the entire film explaining it to the point where you're like, I mean, this guy's a monster, but you know, he's got a point. <laughs> and the thing that I come back to in regard to the Thanos stuff is, you know, the criticism that Martin Scorsese had, you know, not cinema. One of those criticisms is along the idea that the good guys always win in the end and you mm. know, that's what's going to happen. But the truth of these movies, if you view them through the prism of time that they told us the movies are, Thanos wins. Now, they then go on later, but Thanos always wins. In the, the way they explain time travel in these movies, yeah. that thing that happened when Thanos won happened. Mm. Now, they were able to, you know, five years later create another, you know, future. future. But the truth of it is that, that Thanos' plan worked. Yeah. Thanos destroyed half the universe. He achieved his plan. He defeated the Avengers. Thanos won. They cheated. <laughs> had to cheat and then they had to cheat right and they created this different thing but the thanos who died he won the moment that thor cut off his head that moment where thor cut off his head you know he had already won yeah. he died oh my god you're right thanos it's, it's, never, the, it's the it's the kevin spacey scene from seven thanos never got his comeuppance right yeah. The Thanos, the, the villain that we know, because this other one hadn't done all that shit yet. He was a younger version of Thanos, the one who's defeated in Endgame, right? But this Thanos, the one that the Avengers went up against, he beat the Avengers. Mm. He fucking won and he died knowing that he'd won. It's an interesting point because the different Thanos, the younger Thanos, abandons the principles of the more mature Thanos quite quickly because he says, "I'm forget about killing 50%, I'm just going to start from scratch with a, you know, a grateful uh, universe. Right. And that suggests that he hasn't yet had the lessons or endured what he's had to endure, such as having to sacrifice his own daughter or his adopted daughter. You're right. Two completely different characters. Yes, because he does turn. He's like the younger Thanos, the future younger Thanos. Now, he's changed by the fact that he sees what happens to the older Thanos, right? Mm. He sees that and he gets that idea of like, I do die and maybe that changes the way that he views things. Well, yeah. But maybe it's the battle with the Avengers. But the old Thanos, the I just need, this is my plan. Yeah. I'm getting rid of 50% of the people. No particular grudges held. Literally random, fitty-fitty. And then you know what I'm going to do? Farm. Yeah. I'm going to go and bloody live on my bloody farm. I'm going to hang up my armour. Weird looking corn things. Like it's a scarecrow. And I'm going to be a farmer. He achieved his... He retired. Thanos retired <laughs> after Infinity War. Yeah. It's re it, I think what I liked about that, the way they started Endgame, is that I didn't see it coming. That idea of they did they hit it so well in the trailers and even watching it again now knowing it was coming it actually just allowed me more to sort of focus on the little character changes because i didn't quite 
get the Thor journey just, just the on the around. yeah so just on the um killing him early yeah I think that's one of the genius things they do because mm. you come into that second thing and you go okay we're going to have this another run around with Thanos for the rest of this movie and then bang you know you're 15 minutes into the and you're like oh hang on well, you, you know what it is it's, it's, it's <laughs> what the fuck it's the complete opposite of like People always complain about the Dark Knight Rises is the way that Bane defeats Batman. Batman goes and licks his wounds and comes back and then they just have a punch-up and he yeah. wins that time for whatever reason. The smart thing they do in this, because that's the obvious thing is, okay, they're just going to take him on with more firepower right. and more grit and determination and this time they'll win. And you'll be like, well, that's not satisfying. What have they learnt there? Yeah. But this one, you're right. They, it was the best thing they could do because then the focus goes back onto the Avengers. And like you said, they needed to now service Captain America's story. And Tony Stark's story. You can't let Endgame be Thanos' story still as well, right? Yeah, because like you need that to be the final chapter of because in some ways I think it's a it's it's definitely the final chapter. You know, it's Tony Stark's movie, it's it's um Captain America's movie, it's Thor's movie. And just on Captain America, just one little another thing I've noticed that I have it's one of those things which is like, yeah, of course. But Chris Evans is doing an awesome Brooklyn accent. Right. It's this one thing I never really kind of picked up on, but it's really subtle because it's like I heard him being interviewed and it's like, oh, he doesn't sound like Captain America. No. And then I realised Captain America is from the streets of Brooklyn. And it's like that's, you know, that thing he has with Spider-Man, he's been from Queens, he's from Brooklyn, they're from the boroughs. They're like the Beastie Boys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're like Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. um, Stanton and Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you were going to say around Thor and how you didn't get the Thor thing the first time. So yeah. talk, talk to me about yeah, that. Yeah, so... Because that, that, a lot of people were like, oh, it was yeah. such an emotional story. And I, I didn't quite latch on to what the crux of it was. And then when I watched it the second time around, I realised it's, it's really in the last scene he has with Valkyrie where he's like, you know, I'm just going to – the kingdom's yours. I'm going to go off because I need to be the man I am rather than the man I'm meant to be. Because I never sort of – I think it's because they in Thor Ragnarok they turned the character so comical. It was a really hard sort of tone shift to then – give him this kind of guilt over having, you know, uh, you know, failed his family and then failed the Avengers and the depression he sinks into. But then I realised, oh, so that going back to see his mother and having that conversation with his mother and just being so wracked with guilt and, you know, that feeling of like knowing what's going to happen to her and wanting to be able to tell her, which is another little, it's a nice little back to the future moment where, you know, Marty gives Doc the letter. It's the, that little moment. But it's like, also the fact that she immediately sees him for who he really is. Mm. She knows he's from the future in that moment and she sees not just that but the pain that he's been through and how lost he is and is able to... So one of the big criticisms of the... I'd love to talk about the Thor arc a bit, yeah. but I, I watched this amazing video online because one of the biggest criticisms is that his depression... Because I love the depression storyline and the, the fact that he has PTSD, but the, the, the criticism being that because he's fat and because he... You know, all the, you know, he's drinking all the time, these sort of things. Those things are played for laughs. And I, I watched this uh, thing online, which was really fantastic because it was from someone who suffers from depression and they'd done a, they're a fan of the movie, but they kind of talked through what the criticisms were and then made this argument that it's more the other people in his life who play it for laughs and mm. don't see the, the actual real pain that he's going through and yeah. the fact that so often in the movie, what he has is a desperate need to feel to belong, a desperate need to fix things, a desperate need. All these character traits that you know, depressed people and people with PTSD can demonstrate, 
but that people around him treat it like it's a joke and and laugh at his expense. So it's not sometimes the movie laughing at his ex- expense, but the people around him not acknowledging actually what he's going through. Mm. And the point that they came and it was a pretty good argument. Like, and they kind of went through different bits on the in the movie to make that point. But the one that they went to to kind of you know as their closing argument was the idea that when he eventually you know gets the you know power of Thor you know back and realizes that he is worthy he doesn't go back to being a buff buff yeah like in that moment where he could just get magicked back to thor yeah that he doesn't actually go back to that and that that is an acknowledgement that you can't just fix yeah. everything with like you know a magic bit of lightning from the sky and it was anyway it's a really I mean I'd love your therapist to suggest that yeah. <laughs> like I've been seeing my therapist for five years yeah. just hands me this giant hammer <laughs> what do I yeah. to do go out hold yeah. it up to the see sky if you can, just see if you can move summon this. lightning I've got a hammer here just see if you can <laughs> yeah next storm take this piece of metal yeah. go out and stand <laughs> in the middle of a park and see if you can summon some lightning it's kind of electroshock therapy <laughs> it's very extreme electroshock therapy the other thing I realized about Thor is that character is unrecognizable from the Thors prior to Ragnarok. Like what they did in Ragnarok, which I think they wisely carried over, is that he does comedy now because obviously Chris Hemsworth wants to do more comedy and that's what he's been pushing into. I, but it's it's weird that if you look at Thor, because I went and best watched some clips from the other Avengers and he's all like merrily this and that, you know, and he's just this kind of like old school brute or whatever. But now he's like a comedy character and it's like, oh, that's – Interesting. I wonder if you watched all the Avengers films back to back where you'd be like, what the fuck is up with Thor? Crack and wise now. I mean, I think like some of that is just they've found the character properly. But, yes. But if you wanted to retrofit it, if you were trying to make the argument, yeah, if the most important line is that you have to be the person that I need to be, not the person that, you know, I'm supposed to be, that everybody else, you know, thinks that I should be. I'd be the person I am. Yeah. So – is that more him being the person that he is? Like he's become more the person that he is, whereas early on he's he trying, was trying to be, to be Odin, no, noble and, Odin's you know, son. The sort of like what he was meant to be. And like yeah. so much of who he was back then was him, you know, putting on this pretense of being this great warrior and this leader and this, you know, whatever. And what he actually is is a goof, you know, a goof and a bit more comical and like, yeah. you know, someone who has petty jealousies over who's the strongest Avenger. But also the guy who, you know, like the, 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 that amazing scene when Captain America obviously, you know, um, is proved to be worthy. You know, there is that sense from Thor of like, I knew it. Yeah. And, you know, it goes back to that, you know, that amazing scene obviously when they're all trying to move the hammer originally. And remember when it like… Just nudges a bit. It nudges a bit and Thor looks really worried. There's a theory that Captain America knew then that he could move the hammer but he didn't move it any more than that because he didn't want to shame Thor. And you can read all that into it, which I just think is amazing. Yeah, Thor's like, you know, like uh, athletes, they retire, you know, in their prime, you know, in their thir- and then they get to like 32 and they just like go off the rails because yeah. it's like, what is my purpose? And they've been so used to being like relying on their strength or athleticism, or whatever. It's got that kind of feel to it. He's a, reti- he's a retired athlete. And he's got a workout. I mean, he is... 1,500 years old. He is... So he's... He's lost. On the the, he's list. lost the place that he was meant to predict, protect. He feels incapable of doing that. The thing that he did in he feels like he made the mistake and lost everybody in the first place, and then it wasn't fixed by just going straight for the head and chopping off Thanos's head. Mm. And then there are so many moments during. The, I mean, the one where he is trying to beg that he's the one who can bear the the, the glove. glove to put everything back, it just feels so much like. 
a guy who's going, I want to fix things. You know, yeah, yeah. if I just do this, I'll fix things. Oh, it's the same when, um, you know, when Clint ends up going back in time the first time when they're, yeah. um, it's, you know, Thor wants to do that as well. He's yeah. so desperate to to do something, to yeah. fix something. Even though he said, I'm not, I'm not coming. You yeah. know, he didn't want to come in the first place. As soon as he gets there, he wants to fix things. And I actually think there's a lot more than just fat jokes to their portrayal of, what it would be like to to be living in that character. And I think the more you watch it, the more you see that in those moments. Can I ask you a question about how Vormir works? The soul stone? Sure. All right. So the idea is that you have to give up someone you love in order yes. to get the soul stone. Yes. So when Black Widow and Hawkeye have that fight, one of them is attempting to commit suicide, which I think technically isn't the same as sacrificing someone you love. If Hawkeye completed his run and jumped off and killed himself, I think the Red Skull would say, I'm sorry, I think you missed the part where I said you have to sacrifice someone you love. Him jumping off is you not giving up anything because the idea is you need to it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, prove your worth, show how much you're willing to sacrifice for the soul stone. You have to get rid of something. You can't just witness someone commit suicide. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, the, way I, they fix, okay. the way they fix Here's, it in the movie is yeah. that you know, they have that fight and then he's holding on to her and then lets her go or she, you know, makes him let her go. I mean, again, if I was the Red Skull, I'd float down and just check the replay and be like, hang on, did you let her go or did she let go? I don't think Red Skull brought out some terms and conditions for them to click. Uh, I saw, because there's that scene in the deleted scene where Red Skull turns to the camera yeah. and does the sign for <laughs> video replay. <laughs> And the crowd gets really restless. <laughs> it takes too long. And the weird thing with yeah. no matter what angle they got of the wrist, you couldn't quite tell of who'd let go. And then so Hawk, what's the point Hawk of this? there going, I'm not sure you're the real Red Skull. I'm pretty sure you're the only person they couldn't get back from these final franchise. <laughs> um, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. If Clint had just been able to jump off the first time, would that have qualified? I don't. I mean, know. it'd be pretty hilarious conversation for Black Widow to have to go back to the, you know, the the, so, the president goes. So he, all right, look, we'd never. No one liked Hawkeye. We all pretended we did. This is how stupid this fucking guy is. Killed himself. Didn't listen to the bloody terms and conditions. <laughs> um, the fact that they had tried to stop each other from doing it meant that eventually one of them was going to have to sacrifice the other. So I think yes, what they ended up doing satisfied the terms and conditions. But there is a chance. That this entire plan could have been fucked. Because <laughs> Hawkeye Hawk tried to throw himself. Ran off a cliff. <laughs> Fucking Hawkeye ruining it again. He's an idiot. I mean, that was the one thing I was like, Guys. what? There's no sense to this. <laughs> like, the Red Skull clearly said you have to give up something you love. Yeah. If you jump, it doesn't work. Yeah, that is a good point, actually. I mean, does it have to You're be, right. Does it have to be a person? There's two major flaws. <laughs> if the rat hadn't run across the time machine. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> very convenient. And if Hawkeye had completed. just completely jumped off, <laughs> then because well, so here's where I make uh, my uh, next argument, which is the so one of the things that people think is that um, <laughs> that Black Widow was shortchanged by this movie, but I don't think that at all because I think she does the biggest thing. Like Tony sacrifices himself clearly, but she sacrifices herself as well, and her sacrifice is more important because it's. On, it needs to happen for I them to... I do feel, though, that they could have... I feel like... I, I agree. Like, I think it makes sense. Uh, but I thought that Hawkeye's argument for killing himself was more convincing. He's been 
murdering people yeah. at will for the last five years. Yes, she was a hired assassin. That wasn't assassin. him, that was Ronan. I know, same shit. No, no, he'll be like, no, 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 that was, what happens on tour stays on tour. The Red Skull's just floating yeah. there looking at his watch, going, is one of you going to sacrifice the other? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought he had a more compelling case because she's been doing good for the last yeah. five years, whereas he'd been doing bad. But I guess on the balance of it, they're both assassins. Well, yeah, but also her journey in these movies from me had been from like trained assassin who didn't know where she fit in in the world and was trying to balance, you know, get the red out of her ledger, as she said, right? And through the movies, you gradually saw her. And in this movie, she was the one who'd helped rebuild everything. She was the one who, and she finally said, you know, I found my place. I've done what I did. She got to the point where her journey as a character, she'd achieved what she wanted to do. All she wanted to do was be able to, you know, provide for everybody else. And she had the ultimate moment of being able to sacrifice herself for the good of all these people that she put together and achieve everything coming back together. So for me... She was the one who wanted it all to go on. She was, she was the one who'd stayed and helped try to fix things and was coordinating things. To her, she had more stake in this game than almost anybody else. So she's the one who needed to see it work more than anybody. Like, Iron, Tony Stark was off. He had a new life. Yeah. But she hadn't. She decided that she was going to be the person who stayed and, yeah. and ran it all and made sure there was an opportunity for what happened to happen. So, and I reckon she has one of the best lines in any Plus, game. she didn't want to have to rin, uh, like raise Clint's family because that was what, <laughs> what she would have had to do. Pain in the ass. <laughs> this is awkward, guys. Uh. She's got the best line in the film is where I think it's um, when Ant-Man says to her, look, I know this is going to sound crazy. And she's like, look, I get emails from a raccoon. <laughs> right. Nothing's crazy these days. Yeah, I think um, I loved that, that fight scene. Like what I – and this is what I Aaron mean Hawkeye. about that. Yeah. Yeah. These characters all get these amazing moments. Like that alone in most movies, you're just like two of the, the best friend characters who've been through so much then having to fight each other and their real stakes on the line. This is not like you're – Convenient. This is not Civil War stakes I mean, where did, they all have that fight on the you know, tarmac but you know that they don't really want to hurt each other. It's a little bit of a plot contrivance but it, it's sort of – it's hilarious to think if it had been the other way. So they were sent to Warmere – not knowing what the condition, terms and conditions were no. going to be. So it's lucky that the Avengers sent two people who actually loved each other because if they sent, like, I don't know, Ant-Man and War Machine, they don't even really know each other. And so how does that conversation go? It's like, sacrifice something you love. Hang on. No, but did, but did they not know at all? Because did they not know from the previous time with well, if Gamora? They, but if they knew, they would be going knowing one of them has to die. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because it does seem a surprise. All they that. know is that he killed his daughter, but I don't yeah. know... Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Because they discussed that, but because there is a bit where, um, what's Gamora's sister called, the robot lady? Uh, Nebula. Nebula says that my father went to Voromir, he came back alone. So, but I can't remember if that's before or after the mission. Mm. But that's a suicide mission. <laughs> like, I mean, if they, if all the Avengers knew that was the case. Yeah, but they're the, those, those the two of all of them who have many times in the past gone on what could have been suicide missions together. Yeah. I mean, it's convenient that the two people who love each other most. Because what other two characters in that group? I mean, maybe Black Widow and Hulk, if they'd gone. So... <sighs> what other two characters in that group love Tony each Stark other? Tony Stark and Pepper Potts. They weren't... She wasn't part of the mission, the time um, heist. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, no other ones who loved it. They were the only ones who loved each other. So it's lucky. <laughs> I mean, unlucky for Black Widow... Well, maybe there's part of that that we 
they were sent there for that reason. I mean, that's pretty rough. Like you'd want to be, you want a heads up. You've been sent on a suicide mission, don't you? Well, I don't think you, aren't you? They're the two characters who probably don't need a heads up because they're the two who are professional soldiers, professional. They assassins, assume everything, and they a assume suicide any mission. any mission they're sent on, they might not come back. Yeah, from. but this is specifically <laughs> a suicide mission. We don't like, know it is. Can, look, this. all we know <laughs> is when Thanos, Captain America, and calls them were, <laughs> into his guys. office and say, "Hey, guys, look, like uh, we're going to send you into suicide mission. Yeah. Don't worry about it, boss. We've done plenty of these. No, no, this is like a literal suicide <laughs> mission. Well, it's not actually. You have one of you has to sacrifice someone that you. Yeah, yeah, okay. it becomes a suicide mission. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't. I don't know the fine points of the <laughs> the terms and conditions. The terms and conditions. The Red Skull's terms and conditions. Um, Who wasn't? Uh, I read later Hugo Weaving. No. But a very good voice alike. Uh, I mean, if you have to do your Hugo Weaving, give me a, give me a Hugo. Mr. Anderson. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm the Red Skull. <laughs> I don't eat, I don't eat uh, things that are not from the Aryan kitchen. So here are the terms and conditions. <laughs> One. One. You must sacrifice someone you, you love. <laughs> not, they cannot sacrifice themselves. I mean, does it have to be a person? Sacrifice someone you love, not yeah. something you love. You no. couldn't take like an album, your favourite. <laughs> just really love Abbey Road. Pure album. <laughs> you guys heard Disintegration? Yeah. It's great, man. I love masturbating. I'm going to chop off one of my yeah. balls. You know uh, Thanos disintegrated half the universe. And speaking of disintegration, yeah. <laughs> have you ever heard pictures of you? It's a <laughs> Well, that's my other question about this uh, 50% uh-huh. thing, right? So is Thanos, when he's laying out his business plan <laughs> for yeah. what he wants to do to the universe... So is the 50% thing, <clears throat> he will do whatever it takes to get to the point of doing 50%. Yeah. Or is he, when he's raiding planets and, you know, wiping out people, is he like taking like a, a, a census and going, okay, there's like 4 million people on this planet, we're killing two? Or is he just, whatever it takes to take over the planet to get me to the goal and then the 50% will correct everything? You know what it is? He's probably lost count. And well, that's why he needs. That's the, what I was that's wondering. That's why he needs the Infinity Stones. The opening scene of Infinity War, he's just like killing people left yeah. and right. He's prepared to kill Thor. I'm like, is he keeping count in his head? You it's know, like, well, you like, know what? I let ten people live this morning, so I can yeah. kill ten this afternoon. One of his, yeah, minions is probably the oh, that nerdy taker. kind of yeah. um, uh, uh, warlock dude. Yeah. Probably. You don't see it, but he's, he's he notes. afterwards is he's like <laughs> he's got one of those nightclub clickers, <laughs> click, 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 <laughs> but it just goes up to like seven trillion. Yeah, look, up until that point, I think essentially Affinity Stones are Thanos going, this is hard to do practically. Yeah. Like Thanos is doing, because like he's doing some 50-50 killing up until that point, but yeah. clearly he's looking for a easier way to do it. And this film also posits that the universe is finite, obviously. Yes. Yeah, but like that, but he also killed of all living things. Yeah. Right? Animals as well, bugs. Because the birds come back at yeah. the end, so. I mean, I was thinking, I was saying to Gem after we watched Infinity War, I was like, if that happened and she was okay and Junior was okay, my daughter was okay and a couple of good friends, you, mm. can, you can be in that, then I think I'd be all right. <laughs> like I get it sad and everything, but as long as my life doesn't change too much. Well, no, 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 no. I think the I mean, I've got lesson, a lot of friends I don't really catch up with. The big so. lesson we've got out of this is Thanos had some real good points. <laughs> Like, it would actually make my life a lot easier, to be honest. Man, I had to go to, like, into the city uh, the other day. It takes me, at the time of the morning I go into work, from where I live into the city, it takes 15 minutes. Yeah, keep talking, the other morning, some water. Uh, the other morning it took uh, an hour and 10 minutes because it was, like, peak hour traffic. And the whole time, as I was running late for the thing that I was meant to be going in, all I could think in my head, Charlie, was, Stanos had some pretty good points. <laughs> 
every time I've been down at a beautiful beach and there's twice as many people there as there needs to be there, all I can think, Charlie, is Thanos made some pretty compelling arguments. <laughs> Do you think? I forgot to pick up my microphone. <laughs> Charlie just got disintegrated. <laughs> Will! What, Charlie? Black Friday's here. Is it? Yeah. Is or is it coming? No, it's here. It's here? Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but Black Friday's here. And okay. So is Movement Watch's biggest sale of the year. Oh, their Black Friday sale? Uh-huh. For a limited time only, every single thing at movement.com is on sale. Every single thing. Everything. Everything. You can buy the website if you like want. Like even <laughs> even like office furniture. Take like it. Essential infrastructure. Yours. It's all for sale. All for sale. Mm. The Ted DBRC once said that every man has his price. Right. So does movement. So did the two men who started movement sunglasses. <laughs> That's hundreds of premium watches, blue light glasses, sunnies and jewellery styles with a fresh new discount just in time for the holidays and for all your gifting needs. Mm. Okay. So we've talked before on this show about my outlaw sunglasses, how they make me 40% cooler. Well, why don't you want to make your friends cooler for Christmas? Make them outlaws. Maybe we can have a gang of outlaws. Mm. We can meet on Thursdays. That's what outlaws do, right? They (laughs) schedule meetups. Thursday afternoon. We'll meet. Early. Yeah. I need to be in bed by night. Have a chai latte. (laughs) And we'll uh, just work on being outlaws. Or you could get a movement watch. Or you could get a movement bracelet. Or you could get some of those blue light filtering glasses so you can look at the internet and buy more things. I've actually got to get a pair of those. You really do. I saw you uh, on your phone when I walked up to record the pod today and you were peering at your phone. You looked like a cross between Eminem and Mr. Magoo. Yeah. Because you're muttering to yourself and moving your hand as you practice your monologue for your TV show. But you're holding the phone so close to your face. It was like, what is going on Well, here? I was like one of those rappers on Rhythm and Flow backstage. That's what, that's yeah. what it's reminded you yes, of. Because I'm like someone who's written my, like bars on my phone backstage. And I'm just, I was just practicing them to the beat. So I kind of was. Movement watches are an affordable option yes. with clean design, minimal and really quality products. Movement has sold almost 2 million watches in over 160 countries. They're already cheap. You're going to get them even cheaper. Why wait? I mean, why wait? This seems like the perfect opportunity to buy stuff. Shop their biggest sale of the year right now at movement.com and use the code, and this is important, all caps, HOLIDAY19 at checkout. That's H-O-L-I-D-A-Y 19 at checkout. You get free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com and using the code... TOFOP. No, T-O-F-O-P. HOLIDAY19. Oh, HOLIDAY19, all caps. All caps. Damn. That's movement.com and Will. Uh, join the holiday movement. Let me do that again. Go to movement.com and Will. <laughs> join the movement. <laughs> do you think knowing how um, you know, governments work and authoritarian governments in yeah. particular, do you think there would be any chance for corruption to seep into... Thanos, like, do you think any of those underlings, just say his board of directors, mm. are saying, snap the yeah. 50, but... But i got to list the names. Yeah. yeah. Here's some. Memorise these yeah. six, 16 names. We can have some calves out. Yeah. You know I what? Mean, you would, right? You know what? Let's get the Red Skull to do the contracts. He's very good at terms <laughs> and conditions. Instead, someone summon me to their tax. I mean, because he's got a lot of free time. Yeah. Because, I mean, his one job, it seems, is just offering people this ultimatum. And it's only really happened twice as far as we know, right? All so, he's got under that cloak is a little calculator. Yeah. It's like, I'm so bored here. He's <laughs> just running boobs. <laughs> um, if I had to is, sacrifice something I loved, it would be this calculator. Is there room for Thanos to... Well, I don't think Thanos would care, right? Right. Because Thanos only really loved Gamora, 
and he was willing to sacrifice Gamora for the sake of good point. That's what he'd say. And then, to his board of directors. And then on his farm, he's like, he's there by himself, isn't he? Yeah. So he hasn't surrounded himself. He's not suddenly having a party with all these, like Thor, who's suffering from post-traumatic stress, is has got more friends around him than Thanos does. Yeah. Thanos is actually no mates alone. Yeah. And happy just yeah. doing some Scott, farming. Scott Neville. <laughs> Scott Neville Thanos, it's his full it's name. Like, Thank God Thor put me out of my misery. I'm so alone. <laughs> Do you, so when so you think the fifty percent is yeah. like so he doesn't R- care random. when he's just going through the universe, he's killing just to get the job done and then yeah. the, the the gauntlet will sort it all out. I'm not sure how the gauntlet works. I imagine it's just it's some like a sort birthday of, wish. You just say You think of it, yeah. You can't tell people about it because that's right. when Doctor Strange is like, you know, I can't tell you, otherwise it won't happen. So it's like a birthday wish. So that's why that's why Ghostbusters is such a brilliant film because when they do that thing about don't don't like clear minds don't think of our destroyer and then like Ray of course thinks of the Marshmallow Man like that just proves how hard it would be in an instant if you're Iron Man the fate of the world you had to remember exactly what you're meant to do like that complex of thought do you reckon you could bring everything back perfectly yeah well that'd be a great next movie yeah he all fucked the up. shit that he fucked no up no zebras you know what he was dying he had a crack um, so, well, that's why originally when Hulk... Oh, so that was Hulk. So Hulk brought people so, back. Tony got yes, rid of the bad guys. Exactly. So, so Hulk might have not brought back squirrels or something weird. Exa- yeah, we can, we <laughs> can work squirrels. out later. <laughs> Hulk forgot squirrels or just hated squirrels. Yeah. And so he didn't bring them back. Yeah. Bring everyone back apart from Paul yeah. Smith. I hate that yeah. prick. And the Beatles. In fact, this is the origin story for yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So I was a bit so-so on Professor Hulk. Uh, on first uh, viewing, yeah. But watching it again and again, that moment where they have to decide who will do it, I realised that he says, you know, like it goes back to that. I was made for this. Literally, I was made for this. You know, which I just love as well. Like we've gone back to sort of origin story, and it's so important to that final moment that he was literally made for it. But I think more so than Hulk was made for it because in that moment you couldn't trust Hulk. To be able to think of the wish, right? Yeah. If it's like birthday wishes, yeah, Hulk right. doesn't have yeah. like rational thoughts. Yeah. Like he'd probably go back to that planet where he was happy being a gladiator Hulk and smash. bashing everybody up before yeah. Thanos beat him up and he got embarrassed and couldn't work anymore. So the idea that Bruce has managed to combine Hulk and Bruce into sort of Professor Hulk and is actually requires both of them to, to be it. able to yeah, good point. to be able to operate the glove and bring everybody back. So. For me, I go, oh, okay, now that has a payoff. And that moment where, like, they're experimenting with time travel and yeah. he's just been real good. He's like, yeah, uh, oh, ripping off, it's so cliche. Like, yeah, yeah, but he's like, but I love when he's just like, he's like, you know what? I consider this a success. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> when they're sending Ant-Man back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, he's good. I was, I, Edward Norton did um, Joe Rogan's show and they talked a little about The Incredible Hulk and – I didn't really like that film, but I always like I like Ed Norton as an actor. And part of me was like, I wonder what he would have if he'd sort of kept the role. I wonder what he would have done with it. I really like Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, but I do think there's something. He's still a good-looking guy. Like he's the nerdiest looking of those actors, right? But you know, he's still a good-looking guy. If you see him think, by himself, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah. If you see him with the others, you're like, who's that? I go. <laughs> I go. <laughs> But Edward Norton, would you be curious to see like what Edward Norton would have done if he'd if he'd held onto the role? I would have had no problem with Edward Norton. Like now, I, I would. reckon he would have brought the same yeah. level of. I mean, from the interview I heard, that's was his problem with this with the, the Hulk film he did. Is he just he wanted it to be better? Yeah, and that's where he was butting heads because I don't think Marvel had really found their groove at that point yet. 
And so he was just like really working. And they're like, this guy is fucking way too much trouble. But I think it would have been interesting to see that in an alternate universe. I think that they are so confident with what they do now that they could actually do that. Like they could do a you know, yeah, multiverse other world where they pursue that. Like, But I, I like Mark Ruffalo's um, performance through these movies and I think he did a great job with Hulk. And this is what I mean about each character feels like it got this like really complete story within it and I, I i didn't notice this until i'd had a few different views of it but the only one he doesn't is, get it is nick fury he doesn't get oh really yeah, a, no but he got captain marvel and same with her she doesn't yeah. really get much of a storyline so what well, i think i don't know about his but i reckon hers is to come yeah of right? course yeah this is the start of her and in some ways they couldn't have her in this too much or because you're like why don't why don't you just get her to fly through the spaceship and bash everybody. Well, that was like, I mean, there's that's, it's so on the nose, that scene where all the girls get together and we're like, yeah, she's yeah. not alone. Except and then, it's also awesome. And well, it's on the nose, but it's awesome. It's I just, if they had done it without saying like, she's not alone, like, we get it. Like we, we understand what you're doing, especially if you're like familiar with comic books, just give us the frame. But it's just like, oh, we need to make sure people know what we're saying. But then Captain Marvel just, takes the gauntlet and flies to a thousand bit. She didn't need you yeah. girls. Like maybe give it like, have them actually come in and rescue her rather than just sort of like pose and then not do anything. Well, I get the impression that they were on the ground fighting, you know. They other, do. But yeah. I mean, you know, she's super woman essentially. Yeah. Well, exactly. So like you give the others I mean, their moment. Captain Marvel just needs to turn and go, guys, it's fine. Like yeah. I appreciate the support, but yeah. watch this. Well, it's kind of like when uh, Justin Timberlake, you know, hosted the MTV awards or whatever it was and he, or the um, Grammys or whatever. And he did that huge performance. The start was mostly solo stuff, but then he finished on stage with it in sync. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a bit yeah, what it's yeah. like. They're like, to be honest, they would have let Justin Timberlake do this by himself and he could have done it by himself, but he, he's brought you guys as well and it's good to see NSYNC. I guess I'm just comparing it to like Wonder Woman. And what I liked about Wonder Woman, what um, Patty Jenkins did, the director, is I never felt like there was that moment of like, look at this, it's feminism. It was like you just arrived in Ireland where you saw these women in action being really capable and the character, it's like, that spoke for them. I don't. I just felt like you'd established who all these characters were in separate films. I just felt like it was so on the nose to do that, and then to have the moment undercut by Superwoman. Anyway, I I didn't feel the same way. I got to say, I loved it. I thought that moment was great because one of my favorite moments from Infinity War is that moment in the, you know, when um they're with with Black Widow and um, uh, what's uh, Black Panther's best warriors. Uh, name. Um, but you know they're fighting and then Scarlet Witch comes down and then they're all fighting together and that, that scene, to me that worked better though yeah, right? but, but that's what the scene should have been no because they've already had that scene now this is your big sort of like holy, this is the moment like in the Joss Whedon Avengers films where they would always just have that awesome fr- the one that they mocked you know like yeah. we can stand around posing later I want those moments in those big yeah, battles I don't. I don't like them because they do in every superhero film it's like ah yeah but you've got all the Avengers there. I know they do it in Avengers. Let them have Age of Ultra on the opening sequence, mm. and they're all jumping through the air at the same time. And again, I'm like, oh, come on, guys, it's a splash page. But they've got this incredible final battle where they're taking every Avenger, like everyone you've met in this thing, are going to be in a battle. I want that to be a series of them all having great moments. And mm. to me, that was a great way to give. It wasn't the only moment that those women got in it. It was just a great way to like. I I anyway. Put I, a full I can, stop. I can see how you think. It's too much. Yeah, I just pull it back ten percent. I, I like that it 10%. was too much. Okay, well, just take oh, just take the voice over. Not the full Thanos, but just <laughs> yeah, ten percent. Ten percent. Yeah. 
Um, uh, who else uh, out of the... Oh, Captain America. What about his arc? My, his story? That, I think that's my favourite story yeah. out of it. I thought that was so beautifully done. And I really like Chris Evans, like the way he played. It's, if you think about what that character was, especially when they started the franchise... I mean, before I'd seen the first Captain America film, I'm like, fucking Captain America. Captain like, America. The most, like, jingoistic bullshit. I'm never going to watch this cares. USA, USA, yeah. Captain America. But the writing, I mean, Winter Soldier is such a good film. I actually yeah. watched that again recently. Like, it's th- just a good espionage film. It's yeah. like a Bourne film. It's so great, but with, like, ray guns and shit. Yeah, well, I think these Avengers films were born in the Captain America films, clearly. And, you know, they started to work out, not just the team who put them together, but they the actual... You know, where yeah. you're like, oh, he's the heart of this story. Well, I just like well, the him way- and Tony are hearts of it in very different ways. Well, Tony, though, like ostensibly, he's the star, but he's such a jerk. Yeah, like he's such a jerk, yeah. and it's like I think that Chris Evans is Axel Rose. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, we, 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 you know, we need him. Yeah, but fuck, he causes some trouble. <laughs> Trashes some hotel rooms. He's six hours late. Destroys the room. We get yeah. him to pay overtime. Oh, so up himself. But you know, we're better with him. Yeah, but it's his. His journey of being that guy who just wanted to do good, then being completely disillusioned by that thing that he jumped off, and then like always being that fish out of water. And I thought they wrapped up it so beautifully. Like I think that last shot is so sweet and lovely. I mean, I'm a bit soppy now being a dad. Like these things that really get to me. But just I love that idea that this guy who gave so much, who was willing to give so much, finally got that happy ending. Hopefully, more than <laughs> just a happy ending. But like the, the thing that he. They were so subtle in the way they wove it through the whole series that well, he was still in love with this woman the only time he'd ever been in love before he got yanked into this other kind of world. And that story, the fact that her, the picture on her desk is of the old Steve, not the, yeah. not the Captain America one, yeah. that this whole dedication to things that he's, journey that he's been on from this like, you know, unthinking sort of soldier person to this person who's had to, learn about a new world, a fish out of water. Mm. Like that, the way that they demonstrate the difference between the new him and the old him, both in the fight. Yeah. Like, and that fucking amazing moment where like, I could do this all day. And he goes, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but that fight is amazing. Like old Captain America versus new Captain America. What a fucking great fight. That line about that is America's ass. Yeah. Like amazing. But what I loved is the, the bit in the elevator. Mm. Because when showed he, he'd grown. Showed he's grown. Because he knows he can beat them all up. He's done it before, right? Mm. But he's not that anymore. What he's going to do is use you know, deception. And the thing that he has never been able to do is believe that it's time for him to be able to go and live his own life. Mm. And at the end of this movie, he finally makes a decision for himself rather than for everybody else. On the elevator scene, I wonder too if that's kind of also a suggestion that because <clears throat> he was this kind of like Boy Scout, mm. you know, kind of would never tell a lie, oh. would, you know, just take it on the chin and, you know, he's just he's learned, well, no, the world's a bit more complex yeah. than that. You know, the, sometimes the agency that he to, was fighting for turned yeah. out to be an evil agency. So, yeah, you're right. It's, actually, it's, it's a really good little adjustment. And I do like the way that his uniform – in the in they finally got it right <laughs> after so many films where they couldn't quite nail it. I think the best Captain America costume, I, I guess it's the a variation of the Winter Soldier, but the very first one, the World War Two one, the baggy costume with the helmet, and then the last one, the Winter Soldier, and this last one just looks good. The fact that Bucky knows at the end what's happening, like you know that the kind of nod to their friendship. Um, I do like the fact that 
you know, he says goodbye to Bucky in the forest, jumps in the time machine, and then the next thing he's on a bench having lived his full life. And Bucky's like, you didn't want to um, go back and tell young me to not enlist <laughs> and get tortured for fucking 40 years and turned into a miner's rope? No, okay, you had fun. You got married, great. <laughs> well, so that's an interesting question. So if the logic of time travel in these movies, he can't do that to Bucky, right? Uh, yeah, no, they say that it's, it's, it's the non-Back to the Future rule. You yeah. can't, changing the past doesn't change the present. Changing the past creates... Yeah, and uh, that past, be, Yeah, that right? becomes your future. When you so, go to the past, that becomes your future. Yes. And then, yeah. So he couldn't go back and tell Bucky to... Like, you know, well, it wouldn't affect this Bucky. It no. would affect the Bucky in that new timeline. Yeah, line. correct. So yeah. we don't know that or not. Well, if you so, were Bucky, though, would you want the alternate you to be, avoid years of torture and no i'd be like fuck that bucky if i have to live with this he has to fucking live with that it's not my problem i don't want a better me walking around in some other timeline with bloody two arms yeah. strutting around juggling <laughs> rubbing it in doing push-ups all the time bucky and captain is america <laughs> yeah timeline is just constantly doing the ymca <laughs> just anything that involves two arms um w- tell me in their logic of time travel so mm. in that sort of you know, um, you know, every time you kind of change something, you, a new timeline comes off. How then is Captain America in that final scene? That's a good point. Because the implication is that he's just grown up independently of all this shit happening, you know, in this nice life. But that can't be true because that doesn't work on that timeline, does it? He can't go back and then grow up in the same timeline as they're in. It would but create how? a new timeline. So, so but, has he uh, travelled so from... So, but, then, but then what happens in the present timeline that he left from? Does, in their timeline, does he just never come back? Like something has to happen, right? Because otherwise, where is he? When did he get a physics professor that's the bit that because the rest of the time travel in it i kind of understand but i I had to watch it a few times i had to rewind that scene where the hulk's explaining it and what from what i understood is that changing the past doesn't change your present the past becomes your future and then whatever happens after that right is your future yeah but that if if he was just living in our timeline okay how about this captain america went back yeah lived that whole life then when he got to be 71 years, he still had the time machine thing and something. he just shot himself. I think that's the most likely. He knows where they're going to be yeah. because otherwise he's been derelict in his duty for all that time <laughs> telling them that bad shit's about to happen. Even if he's just living his life not getting involved, shouldn't he be ringing him going, hey, next week you might want to uh, beware because uh, Thanos, yeah, Thanos I know. is coming. It's like how many people died yeah. in the first New York yeah. attack? Can't drop us a telegram or something, Cap? I mean, it's essentially the plot of a quantum cop. New issue coming out soon. <laughs> so, yeah. So, th- I think the most logical is he keeps some of the t- whatever the time travel is and he lives his whole life on a different timeline and then meets them back in that moment to to exchange the shield and, and whatever need- else. Okay, but this is uh, where I get confused is <clears throat> does he need to use the quantum realm to travel back to that point? Because we're saying that he can't go back in time, change his past and then live his life and then catch the bus to the park yeah. to meet them to do that. We're saying he can't do that. No. Plus, she grew up and had a... But he can use the quantum realm yeah. to jump back to the moment because that's what he's doing. He's, going to the, he's actually going to the past. His future, his alternate future is actually his past now. Yes. So he needs to jump back in time. So just say he landed in New York, you know, 1946 after yeah. the war or whatever. He then has to go... 
back. Like if he lives 50, 60 years, whatever, then do you know what I mean? Like he's going back to the day he arrived. If like, if it, if it was on a line, he has to go back to that day in 1946, past that date. Do you know what I mean? If it's on a... No. Okay. So, okay. So here's what I think and see if this is what you were saying because it's it is hard to understand. <laughs> so Captain America now, right, um, who's about to go back in time and fix it. There's a bottle of right? kombucha for people listening at home. <laughs> I thought that might help me. Yeah. Um, so he, he goes back in time and he fixes all the things. And you put a little hat on it so I know it's Captain America. Because <laughs> he's got to go back and return the stones. stones. So he's jumping around all over the place. Okay. So he's going to all the different places, returning different the stones to where they are. Repairing the time, or putting the stones back in the timeline. Going back to just before they were taken, so yeah. nothing changes. And then... So really allowing Thanos to do whatever he wants in those timelines. Or allowing the Avengers of those timelines to maybe come up with another solution. Then he grows up with... so Because he can't date the current um, uh, Agent Carter. Okay. Because we've seen her die in these movies and she said that she had like a... Did husband she? and stuff, didn't she? Oh yeah, she died in the old person's Yeah, Yeah, bed. right. Yeah. He visited her or he, yeah. something like that. And so he would be going back and cutting someone else's lunch if it was the same timeline. Yeah. So he's got to go back to another – the many, minute there, that's, that becomes this new timeline where Agent Carter and him have this – Peggy Carter and him yeah, have so a life when, together. When does he go back to? What point does he pick? Before, I mean, it's got to be – so the adventure – I mean, I can't remember what happens in the first one, but he's on a plane and it crashes yeah. into the ice. He crashes into the ice. So does he go back to the prior – the last time they were together, so nothing disrupts too much. So, like, he's like, see, I'm going to go save the day. He walks out and then he goes, Zip, arrives and walks back in. She's like, hang on. <laughs> hang on. When are you meant to be... No, just- because he needs to do what he... Oh, oh I don't know. Because he, if he's going to go back and pick up where he left off, he still then has to avert the Red Skull getting the bloody... Otherwise, he's going to be dealing with that so it's whole, be, the rest of his life. He's got to pop back post-crash. Yeah. Basically, he's got to be like, oh, I'm no, fine. I'm fine. <laughs> He turns up like running late for the because he knows they're right at a certain time. He's like stopped to get something to eat. He's like, trying to finish his burger or whatever. <laughs> Throw some snow on him so he looks like he's buried. So many good moments with him though. When Tony gives him back his shield, when he obviously, um, you know, in the battle, that fucking great moment where Mona um, Monier Monier goes into his um, Molder Fox Molder <laughs> uh, Scully and Monier. Yeah, uh, the best bit. Cooler like, than the Molnir, which is quite cool, yeah. is the way he looks down at his arm and he's got that gaping wound and he just fucking belts it up. Yeah. And, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't even have to say, I could do this or not. Yeah, he yeah. just, he's like, all right, I guess me against this person who's destroyed half of the fucking universe, which is ballsy, you've got to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I like about it, where Batman versus Superman fell down is like, they have their big monster at the end. You've got Superman, Wonder Woman taking him on and then Batman's there, pew, 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 <laughs> like with his gun. It's like, stay the fuck out of this, baddies. Whereas this one, it's like they keep the non-superpowered Avengers to the side and allow the guys who can actually take him on to take him on. It's one of my favourite bits about um, the uh, Battle of Wakanda in, um, in uh, Infinity War, which is that bit where they all decide, you know, to let through the shield, um, the you know, to defeat them. And they all start running at the same time, but then suddenly Captain America, yeah. like Panther, yeah. all those guys are fucking Usain Bolton. way out in front. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how it would happen. I mean, it, it does make me laugh that, you know, all this, the most technologically advanced country yeah. in the world, and it's like they go to fisticuffs yeah. <laughs> to defeat a horde. They don't have like lasers or anything like that, just a glowy wall, nothing else. Well, they got no the glowy walls and they got their fancy 
Yeah, weird but, yeah, but although, tech shields. Yeah, which all requires hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Like, don't you think if you had an advancing horde, just like a powerful long-distance cannon would be more effective? Well, see, I think that Wakanda's thing has always been about we are technologically advanced and we can't no military. make weapons out of technology. So they, a good question. They is have it, a protective a, shield, right? Is there a military in Wakanda? No, they, they have the these military? very old-fashioned armies, like, you know, warriors. Right. So they have this... I reckon it's because... Are they cultural or are they actual... I mean, they are both war because well, the fight, right? Like but in Black Panther, there has to be the yeah. But no, they but they have a very old school way of battle mm. that I don't know if this is explained old school in the with comics. force field shields. Yeah, but, it's, but it's not with lasers. like la- oh yeah, yeah they yeah. do have spears that shoot lasers. That's what I'm saying. Just build yeah, a big one of those no, spears. That's a good point, actually. <laughs> put it on the roof of no, Wakanda. No, no, you're right. That is well, maybe because they've been protected, they've never needed, and they know that if they start using those weapons on each other, then they destroy each other really quickly. We did an infamous episode of uh, Tofop in, I think it was like 2010 or maybe 2012, where I predicted that this Avengers film will never work. This thing, uh, And the thing that I couldn't imagine is like all these different genres of comic books, how would they come together? And particularly the idea of how they all fight because it's all completely different. I have never once questioned that all of their skills make perfect sense for the battles they're facing. Like I totally understand the logic. I remember you, telling me once that you, I can't stand a film that has something happen and they don't explain. You'll, you'll go with anything as long as the logic yeah. of that world is explained. Yeah. And I think that they do that so well with Thor. You get it. Okay, so the hammer's really heavy and he's super strong and then occasionally he can fire it up with some lightning and it becomes almost like a disruptor rifle or something. Right. And I loved that Captain America just went straight to fucking disruptor rifle. Oh, no, no, yeah. As in like yeah, when yeah. he got it, he was like, he wasn't like just going to hammer some people in the head with it. He was like, what does this thing do? I do love to. Like, yeah. That is bold because even if you're worthy enough to wield it, <laughs> so, like the yeah. idea that you are so, also worthy Thor's enough. like, no, <laughs> mate. It takes years to master that. Seriously. He just burns himself. You're not a god. Crisp, you yeah. die. Clint, <laughs> Clint killed himself. You're one step you, away from being a steroid abuser. <laughs> Let's get it back in your box, pal. What the fuck are you doing? Steady, mate. Summoning lightning. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Cap, ease up. I'll take that back. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, so Black Widow we've talked about um, of the, the main people. Um, uh, Captain America. Yeah. Um, Thor. Thor. Hulk we've kind of yeah. mostly talked about We anyway. talked about how stupid Hawkeye is. What did you feel? Like Hawkeye, they tried to give a bit of... Bit of love. I mean, he had the emotional hook at the yeah. start, and I do. That was. I thought watched, that was really well filmed, though. Have you watched Dead to Me? That series with Christina Applegate. I have actually. Yeah. <clears throat> I really like it, and I fell in love with Linda Cardellini in that. And mm. so I forgot she was in it. And so when I saw, it, I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, you've got me." <laughs> I thought that with his daughter and the way that um, they filmed that, and the way that it just would have, it gave you a sense of you just wouldn't know what happened. Yeah. You immediately wouldn't know what happened, And you'd right? immediately just turn into some violent vigilante. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a haircut because only half the hairdressers are still alive. <laughs> so I'm going to get half of my haircut. I mean, if, there, if I have one criticism, and it's not even really, but it's just more a personal taste thing. There's something about Jeremy Renner's acting that I just find a little off-putting. Like there's a particular moment where um, <laughs> they're on the pier. He's having told them that, you know, Scarlett, uh, Johansson's not coming back and they're on the pier and they're all being sad and stuff and Thor's like you know come on there must be a way to bring him back and, he's, and he, it's his big moment he's like I told you there's nothing we can do if you think you can fix it go get your hammer and you go try and fix it 
<laughs> and I'm just like, not buying that, mate. Not buying that. I know that was your big Oscar clip, but nah. Just even the word sounds stupid. Go get your hammer and go take care of it or whatever he says. Well, I think that he he handles it all badly. Like as in that's kind of the point is, right? He loses. I oh, know, I'm saying he's acting badly. No, no, I understand what you mean. But, but I also think that there is a, an element of immaturity about him as a person that when suddenly it happens, he's, he's, his justification in his head that like all these terrible people got to live and his family didn't get to live so he's going to go and just murder people is a really childish response to that. It's not an emotionally healthy response to that. And I'm, I think that in a lot of ways he's Are not an emotionally healthy Are you saying the guy whose response character. to sacrificing something he loves was to commit suicide, <laughs> maybe? <laughs> just doesn't think doesn't things think through. through. He really just... Very he, emotional. He really just acts without thinking. <laughs> it's very on brand for his character, I think you'll find. I mean, look at that haircut. <laughs> that is a haircut of somebody going through something where they're not making rational decisions. That is the haircut of a 23-year-old AFL footballer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Friday night football haircut. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, it's Friday Night Lights, that haircut. It's certainly not somebody who wants to be kept secret. But, um, yeah, look, they don't give him the hugest part in the story. But I thought that they... Oh, they make good use of him. They make good use of him is a good way to put it. I yeah, think. like I think that whole... Um, the, the final act where he's having to re- get the gauntlet and he has that little moment in the tunnel and stuff, that's all really exciting stuff. Yeah. I thought, well, because again, it's sort of playing to his strength. He's not super powered. He's just like cunning and fast and has really good tools at his disposal. And the fact that he ends up going back to... Because when he was Ronan, he's killing people with, you know, swords and shit. But he has to go back to using his like Hawkeye, mm. Hawkeye skills, you know, which I think is like meant to be a sort of return of like, you know, Hawkeye's back rather than this guy who Ronan. was Ronan, you know. I, I, I didn't quite... Anytime I saw that fucking tree... <laughs> Like, they do this thing at the end, you know, when they have all the portals open and everyone gets their, their moment to enter and Groot enters and it's like an angry looking prepubescent tree. And I'm like, this is dumb. They should have just, we don't need to say Groot. We can just assume Groot's there. Like him coming with his like little twig fist all balled up and he's got this scowling. I'm like, this is ridiculous. But it is ridiculous. Like you, you we don't need to, to see it, do we? Yes, I think we do. You we need, need to make to sure Groot's all. there. Well, here's what I would say. Groot got an actual hero moment because that moment where there's no uh handle for the you know for for the axe yeah and Groot actually has to like Groot this moody teenager Groot that we've been living with actually has to do something without which the rest of the franchise doesn't work that's what I mean about details yeah I get like yeah Groot didn't add much to that final battle I'm guessing but I think I mean Groot had a great hero moment like the fact that they managed to have the tree like yeah, not only have a great hero moment, but then there's that great joke when uh, Gamora is um, uh, realizing that Peter Quill's like the one that she ends up with, like old Gamora, <laughs> yeah. and like uh, and Nebula's like, well, it was it was him or a tree. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's some fucking funny jokes in it. I will say that. Like, uh, what's um old mate um the wrestler. Oh, Dave Batista. Dave Batista. What's his yeah. character's name? Drax. Drax. Yeah. That moment where they find Thor. That's the originally probably my favorite stuff scene of all the films. When he's like, it's like a, it's like an angel and a pirate had a baby. baby. <laughs> yeah. It's like an angel and a pirate had a baby. Yeah. Now that whole scene is great, and I'm looking forward to as Guardians of the Galaxy. I think Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth mm. got good chemistry. 
Well, that bit at the end when it's as galaxy. I mean, who would have thought galaxy. Chris Pratt, like, again, like Mark Ruffalo, nine times out of ten, the best looking guy in the room. Right. And then they put him on set with Chris Hemsworth. All of a sudden you're like, yeah, he is fat and ugly. But even the fact that they've, like, Remember when he first did Guardians and he had got all sort of like hot and buff, buff and stuff? Yeah. And now he's gone back to, and we were all like, oh, we'd like you on Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then he's, he's gone back to that. And then the fact that they referenced that a bit in the film. And I was wondering about that. I was wondering if that when was. When he's just... doing the voice. Oh, yeah. When he's trying to do the voice, is yeah. like, is honestly, you're like, I could just watch another 40 minutes of this, just, yeah. which I imagine we're going to get to do in As Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So. So they're doing another Thor, right, with um, Jane Foster. They're bringing Natalie Portman yeah. back. Is Thor in that one or has he gone off to do – or maybe does both, I Who guess. Knows? Chris Hensworth strikes me as a guy – because I know a lot of them retired. He strikes me as a guy who would be happy to – he's like uh, Hugh Jackman and Wolverine. He's, he'll be happy to keep doing that. Well, I remember interviewing oh, yeah, you Chris did. Hemsworth after he made Thor. Like he just made it and he told me that he – I'm sure now that this is the sort of thing that I think he made like two hundred thousand dollars or something. I think the they all thought. did the, the, all that. Apart from Robert Downey Jr., yeah. they all got signed very low. Like ridiculous. Like I mean, if you think think about it now, the fact that he's earning forty million dollars a year now as an actor, like what a great, <laughs> smart investment he made in his life, didn't he? For just like because there would have been some people who would just be like, "It's Thor. Yeah, you're going to have to work out." so much you're gonna have to put so much into this and you're well, lucky make... they found a guy who loves to work out yeah. if you follow him on instagram insane the right. stuff that he does all the time apparently but when does he have time to make movies he always just seems to be sprinting and lifting and jumping and well if you're making 40 million dollars a year yeah you've got some incentive to sprint and lift and jump and um he wants to buy the entire you know no, uh, northern rivers region northern rivers region of australia um but you know, like to take that risk. Oh yeah, why would why wouldn't he just keep popping up and stuff? And keep, well, I think because he can make all those other things anyway. Like you said earlier, they found the character. Why wouldn't you? Because they found the character now. He's, and got he's having stuff fun. Left. Yeah, but there's yeah. there's all, so much stuff you can do with that. But that's character what I mean. Now. Like, oh yeah, as in like his arc. Yeah, you look at like Chris Evans' arc. You look at like you know uh, Tony Stark's arc. You go. Oh no, these his arc reactor. Would you say he's like <laughs> Tony Arc uh, and. They've been on the journey. And you go, yes, you could find other stories for them to do, but they came to really natural conclusions of those characters. Where with Thor, you're like, no, 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 I could... He, I could. Same with Hulk, I reckon. You could see, you know, other stuff with Hulk. I don't think it, this has to be an And I think you could even do what they did with Wolverine, which is you just do a bunch of these, like, crowd-pleasing ones, and then you give us an adult Thor down the yeah. line where he goes back to being kind of like, you know, the noble warrior or whatever. Yeah. So, no, if I was Chris Hemsworth, I'd just keep doing Thor until they... Oh, well, I, I think they'll be driving up gigantic truckloads of money to him. He, he, he will buy all of New South Wales. Yeah. Good. Good investment. Yeah. I mean, seriously, we need more Hensworths in Australia. If they put into a breeding program, how good looking would Australia be after a while? Well, I mean, what you're suggesting is something similar to what Hitler suggested. <laughs> so, so I'm not going to comment on I've already, said Than, I've already said Thanos had some good points. I'm not going to wade into And you know who else also had some good points, guys? Okay, minor characters. Uh, Ant-Man. Right. Ant-Man. Good. Good. Yeah. I, make, I, I don't know why Chris Rudd, uh, Chris Rudd, Paul, Paul Rudd, Rudd has become, <laughs> Chris Rudd's not even Chris Judd, mm. uh, Paul Rudd. Uh, he has become my, like, I don't know, my go-to when I have to describe someone who's bland. But he's not. I don't know why. No. It hasn't been for a long time. He's done an amazing job with that character. Yeah. Too, to like Absolutely nothing with that character when he started. And it's so good. He's so interesting and so funny. And also to, 
I think the writing works for his style of comedy. Or maybe he... Because I think he actually wrote or had a hand in writing the second one. Because it just fits him like a glove now, that character. You well, talk about it takes Hemsworth a few films to find the character. I think he's got it now. Well, the, the thing that I would say about Paul Rudd, though, is it's not just comedy. Like that moment where... He sees his daughter. Yeah. And you, he has to express... Like, A, that moment where he's looking at the, you know, the kind of 9-11 style memorial of all the people who've, like, you know, been Thanos. But then the daughter scene where he has to at once kind of convey this emotion of, like, I'm glad that my daughter is alive, but also I'm coming to the realisation that I've missed five years of her life. Mm. He does that. Like, he lands that moment. I... So it's not just him being like comedic. Like he definitely does some really great comedic stuff. I'd say ninety percent of it is comedic. Yeah, because all of his action is comedic. Yeah, like those absolutely. scenes are not like meant to be, you know, action scenes, spectacle. They're really about like being clever visually and inventive with all that kind of stuff. Well, even that moment where you know Tony Stark flicks him, has to flick him, <laughs> Unbelievable. and it's the exact the exact same flicking that he's been doing with Nebula at the start of the movie when they're playing the oh, little game. He uses yeah. the exact same thing, like those little details of going, oh, this is really nice. This is like a visual payoff to this opening scene where Nebula You have watched these films this. in a lot more detail than yeah, me. I really have. You should call Mr. Sunday Movies and do one of those big red arrow videos. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll 20 find... 20 things you've missed. <laughs> 20 things Six I missed. Six months. I'll do videos about things I missed yeah. when I watched it the first time. Six months after the fact. Um, who else? Uh, War Machine, he gets a little bit of a kind of moment with Nebula where it's like, hey, we're both kind of... Uh, I thought that was nice, that moment yeah, where he's enough. like, I mean, you know... Wh- how much more do you really... We've both had to... And yeah. Nebula, you know what surprised me? Nebula. Mm. Nebula has a fucking journey. Yeah. Like a character that seemed like just a nothing sort of... A necessary but nothing sort of character mm. ended up being such a... Going on such an incredible journey and such a interesting pivotal role in the fucking franchise is it karen gillen the actress yeah interesting way she played it i'd be interested to know if that was james gunn who said i want you to do it monotone with the same intensity of each line or if that was something that she because it's such an interesting way to play it first i'm like ah, i'm not sure if i'm liking this but it's it actually has more power to see the journey she goes on without actually changing her expression or her tone really she just sort of, uh, it's all through the eyes, which are blacked out with giant contact lenses. That's a pretty impressive job. Yeah, I agree. Like, I never thought I would have any affection for that character, but by the end of it, like, you really are convinced by the journey that it goes on. And that oh. moment where she's like, I could never betray him. Yeah. And, like, you, it's kind of like, well, you, and you do. And torture scene is actually quite disturbing. Oh, horrible. Like, there's something about it which is like, oh, God, I'm not a robot, but I imagine that's painful. Well, this is this thing you start to go, I'm not sure this Thanos is a good guy. Yeah. He's torturing his daughters a lot. Uh, Wonder and Vision. Well, Vision, I just, I thought Vision would be So back. why doesn't Vision, yeah, come back? Well, because Vision was killed independently of the snap. Can't, well, maybe because the soul stone's in his head. You can't bring him back if you snap him with a soul stone. Because he, he never lived without the soul stone, right? They never established that. But he did he just die or did he get snapped away, Vision? Died. Yeah, so I, you can't just bring people back from the dead. You Why can not? only bring back the... <laughs> we'll bring a couple. Well, see, this is where you get into trouble. Yeah. Suddenly, like, the Red Skull appears. He's yeah. like, I'm no fancy big city lawyer. <laughs> just bring back Adam Yauch. Yeah. The Beastie Boys do one more tour. Well, this is... Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, why not? Like, you've got in Peter the, Parker is the, from Queens. In, in the post, I mean, they're from the boroughs. In the post Tony Stark world, the thing that we realise is that everything is exactly as it was, except the Beastie Boys <laughs> back together. <laughs> um, it, I think she as a character is is great. I'd like to see more of her. I was disappointed there wasn't. There, 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 I thought she gets just, a moment. Yeah, she absolutely gets. A well, she gets to fuck up Thanos. But yeah. tell me, what are her powers? <laughs> yeah, telekinesis or something. In, indetermined. She's she undetermined. Can, she can move things with her mind, but she also can create illusions. And she can in Ultron. She like gets yeah. in your head. She stands, you know, and she has all yeah. jazz fingers next to she your head. She seems to forget that she can do that by some of the other movies. I reckon. Well, that's the thing because like, a lot of her other stuff is just kind of using know, her powers to get up in the air and then zap. Purple. There's a little bit. I hate this in movies, but I understand why they do it. Where someone who clearly has the strength or ability to kill you with one movement will throw you against a wall. There's a lot of like being chucked into walls and stuff. I'm like, just like Thanos, like in that final fight, he could easily rip off Captain America's head. If he could beat the Hulk, what's he doing throwing Captain America against a wall? I mean, I guess you could argue he's enjoying it. He likes a contest. Well, he says that. He said, I'm going to enjoy it. But at some point, Captain America's got the upper hand. You think he's like, well, I'm going to see how far this goes. What's our safety word? Yeah, but I imagine this, this is this new, this is this new Thanos, the one who's not killing, young and of, arrogant. Yeah, and who said, "I'm going to enjoy hurting you." So he's playing with Captain America in that moment, like like a mouse. And there's that moment where you know Wanda, you know, is like, you know, I'm picks gonna, him up and throws. I'm going to fuck you up, Thanos. Yeah, and he's like, I don't even know who you are. Because <laughs> <laughs> so you're right. It's like he doesn't. That hasn't yeah. happened in his in his world or timeline yet. You so, took everything from yeah. me. Hey? She's like, I don't Back know. up. Mate. Back up, lady. I don't even know who you are. Who's this? She's full on. She's full on. I'm saying I took everything from her. And so everyone's like, oh, met- so Thanos, she's sexist, are you? Yeah. Oh, a woman can't speak her mind. She's bossy, is she? Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying. Thanos, is just, just, Thanos finds himself defending himself from being sexist. I literally have never met this woman before. <laughs> oh, so women are just nothing to you. No, I'm not no, saying that. Again. There are women in my crew. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I'm un- underrepresented, but it's hard to... Look, maybe I want yeah. to destroy up the universe, but I am not yeah. sexist. I'm n- not all the women. <laughs> not all women. That is my... <laughs> sure, I killed one of my daughters, yeah. but that was just because she's... I loved yeah. her. I mean, look, that sounds worse than it is. Uh, but... You know what? I have daughters myself. I can't be sexist. <laughs> I have two daughters. One's a robot. And I do, I do <laughs> torture, torture her. But... <laughs> this is sounding terrible. <laughs> anyway. Hang on. Wait. Thanos' lawyer just comes over and goes, just stop Thanos. talking. Shh. Thanos. You're not making it better. <laughs> Thanos is just asking everybody to sign non-disclosure agreements. Yeah. <laughs> Could you just... uh, okay, uh, Rocket Raccoon. Fun. Yep. Bradley Cooper, like, what a year he's had. Yeah. Like, wins some Oscars and shit and then directs an Oscar film and then he's a talking raccoon. That's, well, a, what, that's what, a renaissance movie. What I kind of liked with the Guardians was they did enough with them but didn't overplay the hand. I know we talk about... Let's go back to Groot for a second. I was yeah. just talking about Bradley Cooper voicing. So, Vin Diesel voices Groot. Mm. And gets like credits, and like they even give him like mm. a title card at the end. Like that's his agent deserves like a, a bonus, right? If your agent got you that job, where you're like seventh billing in one of the biggest films of all time, and all you have to, say, all is you have to say is one line: "I am Groot." Yeah, yeah. Great what do you reckon job. he's getting paid? Do you reckon millions? I reckon. Well, here's what I will say: he's getting paid more than Chris Hemp per movie. To say I am Groot three times, then Chris Hemsworth got paid to make the entire first Thor movie. <laughs> yeah. That's what I definitely yeah, know I is reckon. the case. I would love to see Vin Diesel release a comedy album in the character of Groot. 
where it's just Kevin Bloody Wilson songs. <laughs> you can do Gluten like Gluten in, in the, the back, back of the year. <laughs> I've been thinking about that for about half an hour and like, how am I going to weave this in? And then it just came to me, Vin Diesel does a comedy album. <laughs> for some reason, he just does all Kevin Bloody Wilson stuff. Um, uh, hey, Santa Claus, you Groot. <laughs> Where's my Groot and Groot? Um, so, uh, what about uh, who else are we missing? So, do you Groot on first dates or uh, what? What? Uh, oh, woo. Yeah, that's actually good. <laughs> Does work. Um, yeah, so, Gamora, great. Um, Peter Quill, fine. Uh, Guardians, fine. Oh, they're good. They're all, that's yeah, all. Yeah, were, were any weaklings? Um, well, no Nick Fury, like you said. Yeah. I didn't feel like there was any Nick Fury, which when he had been such a pivotal part of the franchise, the like fact I that said, he perhaps... I think because they set up, him and Captain Marvel set up Phase 4, yeah. they're like, well, look, you're gonna, you'll get your, a cameo, but you're, that's where you're going to be. And I also think too, did you see Captain Marvel? Yeah. He's old, uh, Samuel L. Jackson now. Like he's actually an old guy. Yeah. And they de-aged him, which looked fine, but anytime he had to run or move. So yeah. it's like, yeah, that's just keep him like in the control room. Yeah. I look, I think you're right. Um was anybody underserved by weird I, de-aging makeup on I thought, uh, Michael Douglas? Yeah, he's in the, the only 70s. person that, that doesn't seem to work on. It's so unnerving. Um but that's I thought all that stuff with him and Tony was really lovely. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about the Tony scene. Well, I think we should finish with Tony. Yeah, like, well, let's talk but, about the scene with his dad. Yeah. Now, when I first saw it, I'm like, this just, it, t- there's too much stuff going on here that I'm like, why isn't Tony's dad immediately suspicious that there's this guy in here acting very nervous, forgetting his briefcase and all this kind of stuff? And then why are they having such an in-depth conversation? And then the second time I watched it, I'm like, well, this is the kind of point about, Tony Stark's father is he's, he's kind of oblivious he's sort of work obsessed and he would be the kind of guy who just you know would uh you know would sort of open up to the well not even open up to this guy but just like almost like he's got on the spectrum he just would talk and so I really enjoyed it the second time because you're watching it then through his son's eyes he's like oh this is the father that you know uh did his best that I always sort of wrote off as being you know he put his work first but I am now I'm a father myself I understand what that's like I'm sacrificing something with my daughter right now. And it's actually quite a touching scene by the end. But also that thing that his dad says that his major frustration is that so often in his life, the things that he created were for the service of himself and not for the service of others, which, you know, in the end, Tony, who started as his character in this franchise, says, you know, when we see him in that first film, he's he's making weapons, you know, he's a mm. weapons dealer, he's an arms dealer. And so many of the things that he does throughout the the whole series are motivated motivated by ego or the belief that he knows best, and it's kind of that's how he starts uh, in game. The fact that at the end of it, that he makes the ultimate sacrifice for other people, you know, is really in that moment of going, "I'm, I'm gonna, you know, endorse my father, but also I'm gonna be my own man and like, you know, live myself in the service of others rather than, um, you know." Well, yeah, it's, I guess it's also that thing too of he has something to lose now and he always thought his father never thought he was something of value but then finds out he is. It's quite yeah. a sweet moment. I, reckon I, think it, yeah. I think it works better than, for instance, the John Lennon scene 
in yesterday. I didn't mind the John Lennon scene in yesterday. I hated oh, it. Really? Yeah, it made me angry. Why? Well, just just the idea that you could hand wave away the, the idea that John Lennon would have been happier just like it's such a in that movie it's such a hand wavy we can justify everything that's happened in this movie because it turns out john lennon didn't get shot and he lived this happy life really the one of the greatest geniuses that has ever walked on this planet lived a happier life being a fucking gardener in a fucking lighthouse and writing 30 of the greatest songs of all time and you know creating his art and fucking blah blah shut the fuck up stupid hand wavy fucking movie explanation shut up all right. Don't okay. bring don't bring John Lennon back in technology form. I, I no, it was Robert you know Carlyle. What? It was Begbie under makeup. Yeah, but I would have loved that scene more if if they got Paul McCartney mm. and they got him to play a character and he kind of bought into it. But it felt to me like they're like, you don't own John Lennon, and you've essentially yeah, right. brought Copyright John Lennon image. back and then got got John Lennon to give you the big thumbs up for your fucking idea in your movie. Yeah. I'm John Lennon and, and I, I endorse, endorse this. this timeline. No, you can't do that. Uh, so Tony solves time travel one afternoon after washing the dishes. So Tony, um, the, I think the opening scene's so good because you know he's he thinks he's going to die, and you actually get to see him reconcile, make that recording as if. It is over, and you know, obviously, at the end, it pays off as a, mm. you know. But no, that's not that's not the same recording that they play at the end. No, but I mean oh. the the idea that oh, the, so he, what he's he, talking that, about. What he's off. talking about yeah. is he believes when he's doing that recording at the start of the film that that's his final recording, yeah, right. Yeah. And then it isn't. Mm. But then later on, we so we've kind of lived through that. Mo- he's lived through that moment. We've seen it, you know, and then we live through it again in a in a different way, right? Mm. So it has a. I guess it starts and finishes with that idea. And I thought that was really clever. And then um, the fact that he has this new life and that he's happy. He, my theory is that from the minute they came, he knew that he could solve it. It was right. just about whether he. Well, apparently, to solve time travel, you just need to invert a Mobius strip. Yeah. <laughs> Move some things around, time travel solved. I mean. But this I, goes to my massive thing of like, I don't. Time travel isn't real, right? And it's, it's what you were saying before that I don't mind. As long as the logic, logic internal is logic internal. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, what are the rules? Yeah, here are the rules. And it was like, yeah, I solved it by doing this and this. And you go, well, he's the smartest person on the planet. He solved things all the time. Now he has to wrestle with the idea of whether you should implement There's it or not. a couple of good meta moments where one... For me, the interesting thing is his battle of now that I've solved it, do I share it? Is yeah. the interesting thing not... How did he solve it? Exactly. Because there is no how do you solve it because you're making it up because time travel isn't real. A couple of good meta moments. Big, Big Lebowski, obviously, when he calls Thor. Funny. But my favourite one is when they're talking about the rules of time travel and they start naming all the films. Yes. And they get to Hot Tub Time oh, Machine. I knew you would have loved that. I loved it. But you know who the villain yeah. of Hot Tub Time Machine is? The Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan. <laughs> so they are aware in this universe of Hot Tub Time Machine. Is it the same... Person? What's going on there? I mean, they're aware of the Big Lebowski. Jeff Bridges is in the Big Lebowski. He's the villain in the first... He's Obadiah Stain in the first... I Iron think Man. there's probably other ones of those where they... Well, they've got every actor on the planet in these yeah, films. Yeah, I was going to say. the most popular actor on the planet. There's been some pop culture references in these things. So <laughs> there's probably some internal logic that doesn't work. Um, the fact that he has the sacrifice. that, that my, Him and Pepper are great. 
yeah, the way that she, I think she she's great in the film, and I think that this story is fantastic, and I think his kids like. Yeah, I thought his death scene was so well done because it was very minimal. He couldn't really talk, and they because I was wondering what actors, well, what characters are they going to bring into this moment? Because you, so many of them, you don't want to crowd it. But I thought they picked it well. It's Rhodey, his best friend, is his like protege, Spider Man, and then his wife. And I was like, and they don't actually because I've said, read read a lot of people who who feel like the Spider Man moment is too over the top, and that also. Why is he running up and stealing Pepper's moment? But I actually think that it makes complete sense for what they've established with the relationship. He is a father. I mean, Peter Parker has no dad and this is a father figure to him. So it makes sense that he would be this emotional teenager in that moment. Well, all that Peter's wanted is Tony's approval from the start and he's just never quite got it in the way that he needs it. And obviously he's missing Mm. that male role model in his actual life. So he has a very spontaneous – that's what he likes. He's – this Spider-Man, you know, yeah. this this Tom Holland Spider-Man makes a lot of impulsive decisions. Like he is still a teenager in that way and he reacts in that way. And that moment where you're like, yeah, he, yeah, it's fucking, it's it's pretty great. Yeah, and also just that w- wordless kind of death scene where you just see the light go out. I mean, this is my thing about like, you know, the, the splash page of all the girls standing together. Maybe just like the moment like visually speak for itself. You don't well, need to comment on top of that. I I'm th- dying. Oh, my heart's stopping. Oh, yeah, but I think, but what I, a noble death. But, but So here's my argument. I would say that this movie is a great combination of big, you know, splashy moments and more subtle, li- and more subtle little moments that are equally as effective. And yeah. that's what I, like, I like. I mean, maybe they, they did a take where. The balance of that. Robert Dennett Jr. was no. like, just yeah, chewing just scenery. Give us, Oh, you know God. Oh, oh, I can see a light. I <laughs> am Iron Man. <laughs> okay, well, that's, look, we've got that one. Now for fun, let's just do take one down a little. <laughs> I remember hearing a story um, from Lee Winnell when they made the first Saw film. Mm. Him and, uh, what's the other guy's name? James Wan. Yep. Two young guys from Melbourne making their first like Hollywood film. And they got Danny Glover. They were so excited. They're like, oh my God, Lethal Weapon, we got Danny Glover in the film. And so apparently on the first day that Danny Glover turned up on set, they were going through the scenes they're going to shoot. And they're like, and so this is a scene uh, where you get shot and, you know, and then you die. And Danny Glover's like, excuse me? <laughs> and they're like, you die. And he's like, oh no, I ain't dying. <laughs> and they realized he hadn't read the script. <laughs> and they somehow had to convince him in that day that he was dying. <laughs> You know what? You're not dying, Danny. Just lie down. Yeah, You're having eyes. a sleep. Well, they did that apparently with Wesley Snipes as well in one of the um, in one of the Blade films. I can't remember what the scene is, but he's meant to be awake, and Wesley Snipes refused to open his eyes, kept his eyes closed, and so they just shot it with his eyes closed, and then in post, like put open eyes on it. So when you if you watch it, it's on YouTube. It's so funny. That's like the most like rushed fucking CGI job. He's got these fake eyes open. <laughs> they look like Homer Simpson's glasses when he's pretending he's awake while he's asleep. Um, Anything else? No. Well, we've done almost like 90 minutes, which okay. is only half as long as a yeah, single Avenger film. Yeah, exactly. But um, no, that's... That's good. 
Well, you know what? If you people like these bonus episodes, maybe you can send us some suggestions of other things. It doesn't have to be films. They're topics you'd like us to go into, but mainly films because we can actually research well, some, Yeah, and something, something we, we can do a deep dive Something we can on. do for an entire episode yeah, is yeah. helpful because then... Well, like, you know, we've had people send in, like, these are the characters mm. from McDonald's, you know, can you talk about this Wikipedia page or, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I think, was last week. So if you want to, if you want to send us something we can do a deep dive on, maybe you can make these, like, we'll do, a bon- we'll do them as bonuses. I'll put them up on Patreon, say, like, a week early. Yeah, sounds good. And then they'll go into the regular stream a week later. Yeah. How does that sound, everyone? That sounds great. I mean, that's going to fuck with our numbering system again, isn't it? No. These don't count. They're bonus podcasts. Why, why would we do all this work and then not have it count? Well, as in it doesn't count the numerical, so we don't <laughs> fuck up our 300 episode. Well, I think we've already fucked it up, let's be honest. <laughs> we need five stones you that will enable us we to do. travel into the quantum realm. We just realm. need to get rid of half of Sofop's episodes. <laughs> Actually, that's not a bad idea. Um, because it's a bonus episode, yeah. we won't plug anything because no. you're listening to this on Patreon in the first yeah, so week. thank you. Thanks for supporting us. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. podcast is part of the planet broadcasting network visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates i mean if you want it's up to you